What's up, everybody? It is late night edition of Catfish on Ice with your host, Chad Minson and Max Greenberg. Come on in. The water is fine. It's a non-game night. Preds aren't playing, but that gives us plenty of topics to really dive into. The Preds got a little bit of a break here, um, a couple days off before they go into a back-to-back over the weekend. Max, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing good. Just chilling. I was watching... A very terrible football game before I turned this on. Yeah, I mean, poor Thursday night football. They always get the short end of the stick on these they matchups. Do, man. This one especially, though. One uh, go too into it, but man, it's bad. For any for any football fans, you know, but man, it's a bad one tonight. Yeah, definitely. All right, thank you everyone for watching. Whether you're watching on X Live right now, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, hit subscribe. Or if you're watching on Facebook, we appreciate you watching the, the live streams. Some really good topics to dive into pretty deep tonight since we're not watching a game live or we're not reacting to a post-game matchup tonight with the Preds since they have the night off. Going to give something for all of us to chew on right off the rip here tonight. And I've noticed, and I think a lot of us have noticed, that the Predators have been arguably the hottest team in the NHL since they ended that four-game losing streak coming up almost a month ago from now, on November 18th, they ended a four-game losing streak, and they were kind of reeling. We were really starting to question if this was going to be one of those really tough non-playoff. They were in last place, if I remember correctly. Am I remembering that correctly? And going into that matchup? They were were close to it. I knew they were close. They were like, I think I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty positive that when they went into that matchup with Chicago, they were both teams were in last place in the Central Division. I'm pretty confident. They were bottom three for sure. They were bottom three. Since then, the Predators are 11 3 0. Yep. And have the most wins in the NHL during that stretch. So we are going to going to chew on that. Me and Max are both going to give our opinions. There are a few other teams out there that are also playing extremely great hockey right now. So we're going to kind of compare some of these teams. Some of them are the usual suspects that are playing pretty good right now. Some other teams might surprise you a little bit. But obviously the Predators are right there. So we're going to kind of discuss that. We are going to size up the Predators if they were in a seven-game series right now. We know there's tons of hockey left. We know they might not even make the playoffs. But we want to size them up because, as we know, this Preds team has had a hard time doing anything of of note in the playoffs since their President's Trophy season. So it's five years now. So is this the year that they could actually make some noise? Obviously, a lot of hockey left, but we're going to be hypothetical. We're going to size them up in a seven-game series against some likely opponents if they had a seven-game series today. Also, been really thinking about this a lot lately, Max. Ryan O'Reilly was acquired over the offseason. The Predators don't have a rich history of acquiring big-named players over the offseason as free agents. They just Mm -hmm. don't have a lot of – they've acquired players through trades. They've – Got tons of great players throughout their history that were homegrown draft picks, but they don't have a tons of big time free agents. They've they have smaller tier free agents they've picked up over the years that did well. But I'm talking about the big name veterans. They don't have a lot of examples in their history, but they do have a few. We're gonna look at Ryan O'Reilly's current season. Where do we see him going? Could he end up being one of the best preds in history? In their first year with the franchise, a a player that was acquired over the offseason. We'll look at that. Also, have to react to that great Titans game, that 
one of the best comeback wins in Titans history. I mean, unbelievable. 14, I, 14 points scored in what was it like two minutes and two, 40 was, seconds? Let me let me let me pull, let me pull up the stat. Like, let me pull up the stat that was shown here. It was it was a stat with teams under three teams that were down 14 points with under three minutes left since 2016 were oh and 767 before the Titans did on Monday night. Oh, and 767. Think about that so for I, a second. I don't, I don't feel so bad now that I turned the game off. I feel like a horrible fan, but I did. I turned the game off. I I, I, I didn't turn the game off, but like I'm, I'm the kind of guy that will keep it on if it's like 10 to 1 or anything. Any Anybody who was thinking logically would have turned that game off. <laughs> and then I start, my, my phone started blowing up, and I got some Twitter notifications saying um this tweet aged well or one of my buddies texted me like oh my god i can't believe they did it and i'm like what's going on what's going on and i pull up the uh espn app and i see they win 28 27 and i'm still just completely baffled don't understand it i end up going back and rewinding it to see exactly how they made the comeback we'll we'll we'll, we'll close the episode out talking about that for sure because as you all know know now is if you've le- listened to the last couple of episodes we will be doing a weekly Titan segment now every week on this show. So excited about that. Um, let's see. Did I pick up? Did I miss anything? Oh, yeah. We're, we are going to preview the um, the Preds as they take on the Hurricanes on Friday night. We'll preview that matchup. Look at it a little bit. Also, want to get caught up with some 2023 Preds draft picks. Some big news for our both of our first round picks. Matthew Wood yes. and Tanner Hollendike make the Team Canada roster for the 2024 World Junior World Juniors. So that is really great news for Predators fans because over the holidays on December 26th is when the uh, World Juniors start, and uh, we will watch two first-round draft picks for the Predators take the ice for one of your perennial favorites every year in the tournament, uh, Team Canada. So exciting. Announced today. announced today they made it, and good hats off to both of them. Very, very good. I mean, Matthew Wood was playing third line in the development camp, and then Tanner Mullendike was injured for most of the yes. tryout. And still, man, yeah. that says a lot about that, his that talent does. right I, there. That's all I was hearing about. And, you know, as someone who doesn't keep up, you know, too much with the minor league, especially during football season, I had been seeing all over Tanner Mullendike battling injury the whole time. He still gutted out and made it, so... Really, really well done to him, and congrats to both players. I can't wait to deal. watch. I can't wait to watch both of these guys play in the world. That's one of my favorite times of the hockey calendar. I know it's not NHL, but I always love watching the World Juniors, and we get to see two first round picks play for Team Canada, that one of the favorites of the whole tournament. I mean, it's going to be really, really exciting for Preds fans to watch those two offensively prolific players. Yeah. Um, play some big time hockey, big time minutes for Canada. So we'll, we're, we are really, really looking forward to that. So let's dive right in with our opening face off tonight. And that is, of course, the Predators being one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Uh, Max, kind of yeah. tell me what is really fueling, if you have to pick one thing, what's really fueling this recent winning stretch of hockey 11 and 3, 11, 3 and 0 um, in the last. Almost the last calendar month. I had to pick. It's it's a lot of things, honestly. If I had to, you know, pick one, go with one thing. It honestly really seems going this. at this point like um, that the. If I had to pick one thing, it seems like the whole system under Andrew Brunette is really 
starting to work as you know the guy is playing the like I say playing the 200 foot game having the kind of flashy offensive skill and, and you see guys like Philip Forsberg who are lighting the lamp carrying the team the whole way through I wouldn't say carrying the team but you know I think you know the I, I really just think it's the the system right now starting to pay dividends for this Predators team and you can see every day how effectively and, and also finding that balance between you know you know, being physical, but also playing good offense. You know, we talk about, you know, just we've talked about before in this podcast, just because this team is more of a kind of flashy um, offensive team now does not mean they've just completely abandoned the um, the physical game. And, you know, Andrew Brunette, as I've, t- we have, I've also nearly beaten the dead horse on, has been very open about that. Hey, you know, I, I've taken this time to kind of figure out my team. And, you know, as he's kind of gone and play, had more games with his team, He's um, and as he's gone, have more games. The team, he seems like he's figuring out more and more what suits his team. And also, you know, it seems like kind of the effect that he's having on the players. Is, and this is kind of a smaller thing, but when he scratched a lot of his um players, not when then they've come back the next few games and they start playing well. So I think you're seeing the effect that this head coach is having on this team right now. And he's not perfect, of course, and he's not going to be for a while. He's still figuring out this team, and you know, I still question some of the or how I guess or how frequently he adjusts the lineup a lot of times but you know but I think you're seeing the um Andrew Brunette really starting to mess with this team and you know he's he seems like the perfect coach of this team especially with how how young fast and offensively inclined a lot of these um young these um new preds are yeah um for sure everything is clicking together right now you're not really seeing any major weaknesses even the penalty kills playing great right now Lights um, out. But if I have to pinpoint one thing that really sticks out, this just you have to say it. It has to be UC Soros. He was like the missing puzzle piece. He really was. He was the missing puzzle piece uh, of of the team just really coming together and just being a really unstoppable force for almost any opponent out there. I mean, there's very few teams they are going to be able to beat the Predators on a consistent basis. If the offense is doing what it's doing right now, The if special teams is doing what it's doing right now, and you got UC Soros standing on his head, yeah. giving up three, two to three goals per game right now, 30-plus save performances in a lot of these games, plus Nine-five save percentages in a lot of these wins he's getting right now. It's not like he's getting roasted for four or five goals per game and he's his the offense is bailing him out and he's still getting wins. No, he's winning his results by giving up two and three goals, sometimes one goal in these in these wins. So I mean, I gotta say it, there's a lot of great things going on right now with this team, as Max just just illustrated. But for me, if you gotta pick one, it's UC Soros and that means really bad things for the rest of the NHL because everyone knows no matter how great the rest of the team's playing, we know that UC Soros is one of those goalies that's capable of just stealing win after win for, for his team. But now he's got a team that actually supports him in goal support, in special teams, in power play, at least lately during this hot stretch we're talking about right now. That's like the secret missing piece right there. If Soros becomes what we know he can be. I don't know how this team's not going to continue to keep winning games on a consistent basis. 
You know, um, you know what's interesting about that? You know, I, I guess I didn't put Yusu Soros in there because probably because, you know, one of the games he had during the stretch against the Minnesota Wild was one of those he really didn't play well. And everyone during that game was starting to question, you know, was he was he still not that good? But also an interesting thing about that, and I kind of realized just now when I was but I just kind of felt that way if you really think about it. Before the um before November 18th, when that stretch of games happened, Kevin Lankinen had started two games. Since November 18th, mm-hmm. Kevin Lankinen started four games. So I guess, you know, what, what is I guess what what does that really say? I mean, obviously not I, taking away from anything from Juice. He's played much better lately. But I, man, I think also that, has done his fair share. I think we've always speculated that if Soros, if he if he if he doesn't get completely ran into the ground, and if he's uh, gets some some breathers here and there, yeah. and if if he can have you know these five or six day stretches every now and then when the schedule works out that way, where he can get a rest, that is. I think that's a great thing mentally for someone like Soros or any goalie yeah. for that matter. Um, but you're, you look at it here, um, Predators are going into a back-to-back. So obviously we're going to see Kevin Lankinen in one of these um, upcoming yeah. games this weekend, yeah. whether that's against – I would expect to see Soros on Friday against the Hurricanes, and then you see uh, Lankinen on Saturday against the Washington Cap- Capitals. That's what I would expect. But um, Soros has already had a three-day break here. Um, so that's a good break for him already. Just how the schedule worked. So I think the way the schedule is working out right now, Soros is getting plenty of rest and they're managing his, his starts a little bit better right now. And so I think a fresh Soros is great for everybody and we can trust Lincoln in, um, when he has to step in. Yeah. You know, the predators have been known to have one of the better one, two punches in net and they're finally using it to their advantage in these past few weeks. So yeah, we got it on the screen there for all of our uh, live stream viewers on YouTube and X and also on Facebook. Best records in the NHL since the Preds won over the Blackhawks on November 18th. The reason why that date is so significant is because the Predators were, I just double-checked, they were in last place with the Blackhawks on that date going into that game. We're almost a month after that now. A month later, the Predators are 11-3-0 with 22 points. That's the most wins in the NHL over that span. Also the most points over that span in the NHL. Some other teams that are playing pretty well right now. This one kind of surprised me because it's not a team I really focus on a lot. The New York Islanders during that same stretch. And I didn't realize that until just now. They are 9-1-2 and over that same stretch. So I would put them right there with the Predators in in that regard for 20 points. So very interesting because I did not realize the Islanders were playing so well. So interesting stuff there. You've got the Vegas Golden Knights who you would expect, but they're they're the best. They've got four overtime losses, so they're not crushing teams like they're used to. Um, But they're seven, two, and four over that stretch for eighteen points, and then the Avalanche are eight, four, and two over that stretch for eighteen points, and they have the slim lead in the Central Division right now. Over the second place Winnipeg Jets, another team that I didn't put on this list because they during this stretch they they lost their first three games, but since then they've won eight games in a row, and they're playing. Well, let's see, they 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 are playing. Oh wow, and they're playing the Lightning tonight. So and they're up three to two on the Lightning right now. Looks like they just won that game actually. The Jets. So that it, 
The Oilers have actually won nine oh, Oilers, games in a row Oilers. now. Okay. Yeah, that's yes, one of those Oilers, teams that like everyone kind of had a feeling was going to get back into it because everyone knew they were not that bad the way as as they started. Yeah, so the Oilers have a nine-game winning streak now. So I don't think you can really top that. If we're arguing who is the hottest team in the NHL right now, I, I think we have to say the Oilers Probably. right now. You got a nine-game winning streak, and I think you saw it at the bottom of the screen, but I'll make sure I tell all of our podcast audio listeners right now, this one's really going to blow your mind. So over this nine-game winning streak that the Oilers have right now, they have outscored opponents. Are you ready for this? Forty-two yeah. to fourteen. That's a that, that that's a football blowout in a game. I mean, that's crazy. Nine-game winning streak for the Oilers. Forty-two to fourteen is their scoring margin. They're they're averaging. That is not a typo. They're averaging, they're averaging almost five goals a game. They gave up. They give up two goals to the Lightning tonight. I'm sorry, 42 to 15. I, I shorted them. Okay. I get I shorted them. Okay. They're outscoring yes. opponents 42 to 15 over this nine-game winning streak. So we're gonna give the Oilers the crown on the hottest team in the NHL yeah, right that now. Is, yeah, that is yeah, that that's a, that, that is mind-blowing. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I had to keep making sure that that was the correct the correct uh let's see the, the maple leaves have to go to overtime again the interesting thing about the maple leaves they don't make uh that list that we just had did on the you screen hear there about that game i did not hear about it enlighten us I, I see they lost in overtime to the blue jackets six to five you don't know how columbus was up five nothing in that game toronto tied it all in the third period by the way all in the third period wow. they scored their five goals and then toronto then loses it in, in overtime I did not see that. That's that's bonkers yeah. right there. I didn't watch it, but it was so all now, over Twitter. Uh, so the Maple Leafs, so they go to another overtime game. The Leafs just keep going to overtime here. Um, they have tons of overtime losses. They've got a lot of wins in overtime and shootouts as well. So um, interesting stuff there. Let's see some other notes here on this Thursday. The team, the Predators, are about to play. They will be on the back end of a back-to-back, but they beat the Red Wings 2-1. to one. That is okay. the Carolina Hurricanes. John Hines' Minnesota Wild beats the Flames in a shootout. The Blues, they just fired their head coach, but yeah, they, they get did. the win over the Senators 4-3. to Kraken's beating the Blackhawks right now, and the Canucks are beating the Panthers 2 to nothing right now. So there's your scores. But back to the hottest teams. I think if we take out the Oilers, I would have to say the Preds are probably one of the yeah. hottest teams in the NHL right now. Yeah. If oh, not absolutely. the second hottest top, team, I would say second hottest. For sure. Again, what do you know? What are you, what do you, whether you want to go best, second best, whatever? They're definitely top three hottest teams right now. Going back to the Islanders, who are also up there nine one and two over that stretch, they've got back to back overtime wins over Toronto and LA Kings right now. So that's two really impressive wins for yeah. the Islanders back to back. Yeah, no slouches so, whatsoever. Give them the props. How about the LA Kings, a team that really people are falling in love with? They went oh, yeah. they went through a stretch where they won eight of nine games, but the Kings are on a current three-game losing streak, so they've cooled off a little bit. Yeah. I still now. think they're legit. They're, they're a legit team, and everyone expected oh, them Oh, yeah, to be. for sure. And that's the thing. You see, people freak out all the time when the Predators lose like two games in a row or three in a row, and they're like, oh, told you so. This team sucks. Like, fire everybody. And I'm like, guys, you do realize that even the best teams in this league go through 
short little losing streaks. The thing you can't let happen is you can't let those losing streaks turn into the five, six, and seven game losing streaks. Yeah, I mean, there's 82 games. That's in the when year, the season so gets like, away from you. They're going to happen. Yeah. So, very fair to say that the Predators are one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now, and they've they're gonna they get the Hurricanes on the back end of a back to back. The Hurricanes have yep. been a very big disappointment so far this year. They have. But oh yeah, they're I feel like they are kind of a sleeping giant. Let's just keep that in mind. You can never count them out. Anytime you're playing, anytime you're playing Carolina, you really don't look at the standings. You just assume you're playing a really good team. We got got some friends in the comments here. Mike Twitter, a friend of the show, uh, referring to the uh, Oilers right now. He says, "Quote: They'll blow it in the playoffs." Major leagues, Randy Quaid, in response <laughs> to Oilers' current success. Yeah, that's a good good movie reference there from Mike Twitter. So uh, yeah, we got Lindsay in the chat as well. And those are all, that's who we got in the chat right now. So hello, Mike Twitter, and hello to Lindsay. Uh, thanks for joining episode 213 with us. All right, so let's do the weekend review. Uh, Max, Predators yep. had to win in an ugly fashion, but it's still two points. They beat the Flyers. I think that was on Tuesday, if I'm not, it was. Yep. not mistaken. Yeah, um, was in attendance. That game for me, well, let's ask you first because you were at the game. What what, yep. what was your take overall takeaway from that performance? I thought it was certainly a lucky win. Um, I didn't think the Preds looked that great really all night. I thought passes really were not connecting. They had a lot of turnovers. I thought it really felt off for most of the game. Um, the Flyers in the third period had a what I thought, what most people thought was a BS goal. They, they it was off a pen off the rush of a they I think they got a high stick on Gus Nyquist or something. Something should have been called. Anyway, after that, the Preds kind of came back and really kind of took it to them for a few minutes. And that was really the best stretch of the game. And then they score a few seconds into overtime after um, Forsberg shoots and it's loose and he tucks it in. And so Preds got the win, but ultimately it wasn't one of those games where I look at and like, he got lucky. But hey, you know, it's one of those games where, as we kind of talked about the other night after the Canadians game, where, you know, teams just like the Preds finding ways to win no matter what when they're hot. And that's, you know, speaks to the character of the whole team sometimes you know when you don't play your best hockey sometimes it still says a lot when you can find a way to get the wins and the Preds found a way to do that so you know certainly have to get the two points but overall as far as the as far as how the team played throughout the whole game I was not I it felt like the Preds were going to blow it and they did but luckily they didn't end up losing the game so so to kind of jump off of that real quick here's what's refreshing about it if this Preds team can start winning games even when they're not at their best, I'm not saying I want that to become a habit, oh, but no. every now and then it's not going to be your best. It's hockey. You're going to have your off nights every now and then. If you can still find ways to win games like that, that's the mark of a team that's getting better and better, and that's the mark of a team that's going to definitely put up 90-plus points, have a strong chance to qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're going to win – in consistent bases definitely on nights if you're not getting blown out when you're having an off night that's a good sign that this team is yeah. really starting to gel and they're really yeah. starting to like find ways to win i mean that's it. that goes across all sports and again that doesn't mean you go to the locker room and you and you pat yourself on the back or anything like that it just means that yeah we had an off night but we figured out a way to grind it out and we got to make sure we don't let this become a habit because there are if we let this become a habit and then then there's going to be nights where the opposition makes us pay i don't the flyers left a lot on the table in that game um, sure so did. if anything the flyers 
should have gone to the locker room after that game thinking, wow, we really let that one get away from us. So really tough loss for the Flyers because they probably should have won that game. But if you're the Predators, you say, hey, we didn't have our best stuff tonight, but we found a way to win. Our our team leader, Philip Forsberg, our our guy that's really leading the way right now with a just – what a savvy veteran, savvy goal from him. And it just once again shows that the dude is completely locked in. He's on a mission. He's, he's, it's what he's doing is way more impressive right now than even his, his 2021, 22 season when he almost, when he, when he almost passed Duchesne and they were going tit for tat, scoring goals left and right. But I think what he's doing now is more impressive because. He's just more of a well-rounded player right now. I mean, he's he's I completely leading agree. this yeah, team. This is the best I've ever seen him distribute the puck for sure. He could have and, and he could have easily play. He could have easily just skated past the goalie, assuming that the that the puck's covered and been like, "Ah, uh, we'll get him next time," type of thing. And that he was. He was look. He was looking to see if that puck was still loose, and he and he sticks his stick right in those pads, and the, it's a fair play. The puck's not covered. The goalie doesn't have it secured. He has a right for that puck. The referee had not blown the whistle, and he squeaks it in there. I mean, that is just, and that's something that any young hockey player can learn from. Don't ever give up on the play until that whistle's blown, and that's exactly what Forsberg did, and that's why he got the overtime goal. And really cool, interesting note for franchise history, if you missed it, another David Legwand franchise record, um, RIP to another record by David Legwand, uh, overtime goals, I should say, in franchise history. Forsberg gets his 10th of his career, and that passes David Legwand for another franchise lead for uh, Philip Forsberg. Yeah, much deserved for Phil. Absolutely. He's been a great player this year. And you can just tell in the past year, especially um, in the, with the year um, that he had under Heinz for as a free agent. And this year, I mean, he's he's one of he's one of the better wingers in the league for sure. Yep. So that's uh, 15 goals on the season for Forsberg. Also had an assist on this in this game on the Gus Nyquist yep. goal. It was a good one. Perrier too. had an assist in this game. Luke Shin gets his first point as a predator. Good yeah, for him. That was a interesting one. It was the um he had it was off the late penalty. He kind of shot it from the blue line. Got it didn't make it on goal, but Michael McCarron um clean got it right then and put it in. And credit credit to Andrew Brunette. He um the other day he scratches Philip Tomasino in favor of Mike McCarron, and everyone's like, oh, what are you doing? But McCarron scores a goal, so another. Credit to Andrew Brunette for a good lineup decision that night. It paid off. Yeah. Love what I'm seeing from just everyone up and down the lineup, whether it's the fourth line, the third line. It doesn't matter. Everyone's just pulling the rope right now. It's great to see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good stuff there. So the Predators do manage to get the win. Um, Going to have to play much better, most likely, against the Hurricanes on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, going back to UC Soros in this game, another great performance from him. With 37 saves on 39 shots faced. Absolutely. 0.949 save percentage in that one. The Preds penalty kill comes up huge in this one as well. 
uh, left the Flyers to 0 for 4. I think their Preds are 19 out of their last 20 or something like that on the penalty kill. Something close. I mean, they, like I, it's like something I said, close to that. It's been lights out. Yeah, something it's, close to that. Uh, the yeah. Preds are. They're finally completely healthy right now. Or core injuries. Yeah, no, they've finally, especially with Glass and Novak getting healthy recently, they've kind of returned to that full health. So that's really good to see. And you hope, you know, you're not going to go, of course, you're not going to go the whole rest of the year without nothing happening. You're going to get very least guys yeah. out, day-to-day injuries, stuff like that. But it's good to see the Preds are starting to, you just hope that another long-term injuries, like Forrest Burke's concussion last year, don't happen again. But, you know, injury is part of the game. And right whenever your team is fully healthy, you, you got to enjoy the moment. And you had Tyson Berry as a healthy scratch in this game yep. um, as they keep sorting out the decor. So let's see. It'll be really – I would assume that Tyson Berry gets back into the lineup against the Hurricanes. I would rather have a more offensive-minded defenseman going up against a offensively prolific team like yep. the Hurricanes because I feel like the Preds are going to have to put up some goals, like three or four yep. goals at least – um, against the Hurricanes. Um, we'll see. Um, the Capitals kind of that way, too, especially with the, the yeah. Capitals kind of offensively prolific, too. I mean, especially how they're coached, the players they got. I mean, I, you definitely think Barry please, at least plays one game. Yeah, you would expect that. And I know it's getting really dramatic with the Barry thing. We're not going to really dive too much into it because we've already done it the last two episodes and not a lot has changed since that. Yeah. But I will say it's it's definitely dramatic right now, and there's a lot of drama involved just because Tyson Berry wants to play, and you understand that from his perspective. Oh, yeah. But um, we'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. But that's definitely going to be remain a storyline there. So that's your weekend review. Like I said, the Predators are getting a little time off this week uh, and a few days off here the last couple of days. I did see that the Predators had an optional – uh, skate today, an optional practice, and apparently a lot of the players went to it. Almost all of them, I think they decided that we were we're practicing today. Which you'd love yeah, to see I that. I love as well. it. I love it. All right, we're about to move along here in Catfish and Ice. This is episode two thirteen with your host Chad Minton, and also Max Greenberg is with me, my co-host. We're going to tell you about our sponsor, and that is. DraftKings right now. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. You've got a pretty big NHL slate tomorrow. I'm going to pull that up real quick and let you know what some of the lines are looking like on the DraftKings Sportsbook app for tomorrow with our promo code THPN. You can get in on some action tomorrow night uh, on a Friday night, December 15th. Let's look at some of these matchups. So we just talked about the Islanders are one of the hottest teams in the league right now, along with the Predators. You got the Boston Bruins at the Islanders. That'll be it, that'd be a matchup I'd like to check out. I'd like to see what these Islanders are all about. I know the Islanders have yeah. a really, really great goalie in Sorok- Ilya Sorokin. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's one thing that you know that they got going for them. But right now the Islanders are the favorites according to DraftKings, slightly, ever so slightly. Uh, Preds and Hurricanes, the matchup we just talked about there, the Hurricanes are very heavy favorites at home against the Predators. Shouldn't be too surprised there. Uh, Let's see, another matchup that really sticks out to me. Not a heavy NHL slate tomorrow, but we do have 
The Ducks and the Rangers take are tomorrow as well. Ducks are heavy underdogs against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. You got the Stars at home taking on the Senators. The uh, Stars are your favorites there. And the Coyotes are at home against the Sharks. And the Golden Knights take on the Sabres. And they are heavy favorites. So a lot of heavy favorites tomorrow. So if you're feeling like living a little dangerously tomorrow, maybe take a shot with one of these underdogs tomorrow night. and Maybe you can really get the odds in your favor. Um, maybe take on the San Jose Sharks. They've been playing a lot better lately. A little lately. bit maybe. better. Maybe take your shot. Maybe take or maybe that'd be completely insane to ever bet money on the Sharks. I don't know how you want to look at that. Maybe I'm a little biased, but are the Preds getting are the Preds getting slept on a little bit being such heavy underdogs against the Hurricanes? I mean, they're fairly similar. I think similar they're getting the slept on right? a little bit. I do. Yeah, I think little, they're getting slept on a little bit. I mean, it's fair to say. Maybe a little, maybe a little slept on. I don't know. I think you could have some fun taking one of those underdogs on this on this Friday night. So either way, look into that. With our promo code THPN, download download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for, for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in New York. Call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources NHL and the NHL shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League copyright NHL 2023 all rights reserved let's get into our next topic here talking about the Preds being one of the hottest teams in NHL. You okay back there, Max? I hear some yeah. craziness going on. I'm good. I'm good. You good? I'm good. My, my, right, computer, so my computer excited. is a little, getting a little hot, so that might be what you're hearing a little bit. You're, I think you're just excited about the next segment here. All right, so I know people are going to be like, oh, why are we already, already talking about this? There's so much hockey left. I get that, but I love hypothetical conversations sometimes. So, Let's size up the Predators if they were in a seven-game series. Because a seven-game yep. series, we know it is a battle of attrition. It is not like beating a team one time and getting lucky or getting a fluke no. win. No, to beat a team four out of seven times, you've got to truly be the better team in the matchup. Yep. And yes. do we – we don't know if the Predators are even going to make the playoffs necessarily. There's so much hockey left. But just hypothetically speaking, Max – Yep. Do you think that this current Preds roster and the way they're playing and the sign, positive signs that they're showing, do you think that they could that could actually translate well to having success in a seven game series? I know it, it depends on the opponent and who you yeah. draw, but just overall speaking, I'll start first and then we'll go to you. But I just want to say real quick, I think that the depth that's really showing up for this team is what gives me the most optimism that they could actually make a seven game series pretty interesting against 
a lot of Western Conference teams right now. I'll start with that. Uh, I, you know, I, I certainly think that, you know, with the way the Preds are playing right now, if they carry this into the playoffs, it's going to be hard for anything to beat them as well as they're playing right now. As far as the teams that are in the playoffs, you know, I still think a lot of the teams in the playoffs, like, for example, Vegas, I wouldn't, wouldn't give as much of a chance against Vegas. You know, they're obviously defending cup champions. They still have virtually the same team. They're really good. I think Dallas is, Dallas is also really deep. They have a lot of talent. I wouldn't want to, I would not want to see Dallas in a playoff. Colorado, maybe they were, they're not the most deep of teams. And they also lost in the first round last year. They don't have Gabriel Landeskog. So I think that's the potential. I wouldn't necessarily say I'd pick us. I think if we, if we drew maybe LA, that's potentially a team because they don't have the goaltending that we have. Yeah, I disagree. You disagree with that one? I think if, if we're just looking at opponents, first of all, do we think the Predators could actually finish top three in the division? Let's, let's, do you think that's even a realistic expectation right now? I think so. I think, they, they, I, think they could, I think they could. I think I think they could. I could see us passing Winnipeg, especially now that Kyle Connor is going to be out for six to eight weeks. Oh, yeah, that's a significant. That, that's going to hamper them. them. That will definitely, that will definitely um, hurt them a little bit. But I mean, you look at the Central too, so. right now. Obviously, with so much time left, I mean, we're still uh, we're still like twelve games away from be, even being at the midway point. But I mean, the Predators are right there. I mean, they're only three. I mean, I know they got a couple games extra played on Dallas, yeah. but they're three points behind Dallas right now. Dallas has kind of gone through a little mini slump of their own bit. lately. They haven't been looking as dominant. But I will say, going up against Dallas in a seven game series would, would not be ideal. Would, would not be ideal. It, it, It'd probably be a six-game series, probably. Yeah, but I think so. See, I'm leaning towards, you know who I would love to see in a first round, and I would give the Predators a really good chance to take it to seven and then take it to game seven, and then it's anybody's game. Let's see who wins game seven. I would give the Predators a decent puncher's chance to get to beat Winnipeg in a seven-game series. I think so. That, that's the one team I would feel the most confident in, for sure. That That's one and team. And for that – for that to happen, it, you would either need the Predators to finish in the top three, or you know, if Winnipeg gets a wild card spot, then you could, you know, you would have to face. It, it would be hard for for the Preds and Winnipeg Winnipeg to face off in a first yeah. round series, unless Dallas were to fall out of the top three or Colorado to fall out of the top three, and that seems very see unlikely. Uh, you you got to expect both Dallas and Colorado to be in the top three, which would mean yep. that either De- either Nashville or Winnipeg or maybe even Arizona. I, w- I don't want to completely just dismiss Arizona, right. but it would probably come down to Nashville or Winnipeg for that third spot in the division. Yep. I, if, I agree. If we want to just get our crystal ball out. Yep. So. I give I give Nashville a really good chance to beat Winnipeg in the Pacific Division, a seven game series. I don't know. Are we do do we think that Vancouver could be a little bit of a little bit fraudulent, or do you think they're legit, like as good as they've been? In the I mean, they're they, certainly they're, they're, to, they're certainly offensively prolific, and we know they have a good goaltender. So they've I come mean, back down to reality a little bit recently. That, that's that, that's one where I'm like, I that's one I, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't really know what Vancouver is. We really got to see. That's one of those teams where, like, you honestly, it's kind of unfair for teams like that. But that's one of those teams where you really got to go through the full end of the year to really believe it, what we're seeing right now. 
Mike says on Twitter, if we're in at the deadline, you know Trotz is going to make a move to make us better too. Oh, we got plenty of time to to speculate on what we think Trotz will do when we get close to the trade deadline. Yeah, Yeah. but he's got the cap space. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's and a lot. And a lot of teams don't. A lot of teams who are going to be playoff contenders do not have cap space. The Preds are going to be one of the team one of the teams with the most to uh to money to play around with at the trade deadline. So just get ready for that. That, That's going to be interesting. But. A lot of time before we can really speculate too much on that. But um, looking at the uh, Pacific Division, Vegas would be a terrible matchup. I think the Preds would be lucky. to. I think it would be a hard-fought and great, successful pat yourself on the back if the Preds were to take Vegas to six games. That's how much. Yeah, Vegas. uh, I'm not a true believer in Vancouver yet. I, I think they've come back down to reality a little bit. The oh, only thing that would scare me in a seven-game series against Vancouver is they do have plenty of scores, but is Thatcher is this Thatcher Demko's like breakout like arrival year? We've always known he's a great goalie and he's you know one of the better ones, but this might be his true hey like Vesna like I would say he's the Vesna Trophy winner right now if it, if you picked a t- picked a Vesna winner today. Yeah. If you run into Thatcher Demko in a seven-game series, he's one of those goalies with the way he's playing right now where the Preds could throw everything in the kitchen sink at him and he just stops everything. And it's like Preds did everything they could, but Thatcher Demko was better. I mean, that would be the scary thing about a matchup with Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, he's and he's finally getting help now. He hasn't gotten help hardly his whole career. So you're seeing what he's doing with that help. Yeah. So I think it's still considered who would you face off if you're the Preds. I still don't think they're quite there yet to really to realistically say we're ready to get out of the first round. I think right. we still got to see this roster grow and evolve a lot more. Um, the one thing I do have, like I said, that makes me really optimistic is this team does have depth. Now, is that depth going to show up in a playoff series in crunch time? That's something you just don't know until it happens. Right. But the way they're playing right now, they're playing playoff-style hockey right now with the way that they're getting contributions all up and down the lineup. That gives me a lot of optimism right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I say, if the Preds continue playing like they are right now, it's going to be hard for any team to just outright kill them. And let's say say the penalty kill ends up really becoming a strength. Let's say they keep carrying this over, and this isn't just some small little stretch where they're playing well, but no, they actually – turn it into a major strength. You got to have a great penalty kill in the playoffs to win, to, yeah. to win in the playoffs consistently. You're because you're going to have, that can be the ultimate series flipper. When you kill, when you become a great penalty kill, if you can neutralize another team's power play in a seven game series, that takes all the wind out of that team's sails. And odds yeah. are no matter who you're facing in the playoffs, they probably got a prolific top 10 power play. That's almost a guarantee. Very rarely. I can remember the last few playoffs. Whenever you're watching a playoff matchup, most of the time it's a battle between two teams that have top 10 power plays. Almost always. It just seems like a common theme. So if the Predator, I give the Predators no chance of beating anybody in a first round series. If if the penalty kill regresses back to what they were a couple weeks ago, they'll they'll get beat by anybody they go up against. That's the one area that I think that they've really been working on, and they've shown improvement in. That's another area if they if they become really strong in that department, 
um, then that that's another way reason why I think they could maybe steal a first round series this year if, yeah, if they're and, if they're really doing well in that area. And not only that, but in the at least in the past, like recent, like really recent few games, the Preds have been kind of racking up the penalties. They calmed down the penalties they're taking, which is always a discussion with the Preds. But if they do kind of if they go from like four or five to like maybe two or three penalties a game, that could be a big difference, especially with how well it's playing. Definitely. So obviously a lot more has to happen. We're just giving you an early outlook this far out to think yep. about this team. Um, yep. Let's let's move along here and get to our last Pred segment of the night here on episode 213 of Catfish and Ice. Also wanted to remind everyone, after we finish this live portion, you will hear my interview with Greg Amundsen of Puck Luck Analytics. He, I did an interview with him a couple days ago earlier this week, and he really gave me the rundown through his analytics and his models on why the Predators are having so much success this year. The dude is such a genius, and his you really got to follow him um, on social media and check out his stuff. This guy is brilliant with his analytics and the way he covers hockey and the way he covers the, each team. And when he just to give you a little bit of a preview, one of the things he told me that the reason why the Predators are excelling so well this year and, and doing as good as they are and outperforming expectations. First, he said the Predators are outperforming his preseason expectations from his models. Also, the reason why the Preds are really excelling at five on five hockey with their expected goals. And we've kind of talked about that. We've touched on yeah. that. We know the Predators are top 10 in the league and expected goals for. And early in the season, the Preds took some losses because they weren't finishing. But now they've been finishing a little bit better. But, uh, yeah, he was he had a lot of really good things to say about the Predators. And also in the conversation, we talked about Ryan O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg. We talked about Colton Sissons. We threw in some other players down the list. We even talked to Roman Yossi a little bit. We talked about his standings projections right now and where he's got the Predators finishing um, in the standings in terms of points, total points in the standings. A lot of good stuff. So that interview is going to be after the live portion on the podcast platform. So make sure you stay tuned cool. for that if you're listening right now. All right. So been thinking about Ryan O'Reilly a lot in terms yeah. of how he was acquired over the offseason and just how quickly he is impressed everyone there wasn't really a learning curve period for him here he scored in his first preds game he scored a power play yep. goal at tampa uh seven power play goals on the season so i want i went back and i wanted to compare him to some other big offseason acquisitions and how they did in their first year in a preds uniform how about we start with the one it's on everybody's mind and that's matt duchene yep I mean, I think Matthew Shane was signed. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, was, I guess the only thing I was going to say, and really quick, was going to say, I mean, I certainly think if it continues going on the way it is, certainly going to be better than that first season. Yeah. So let's look at Matthew Shane's first season. He came in with so much pressure to begin with because no one yep. liked the contract to begin with. Matthew Shane signed for $8 million a year. Uh, he's always been a polarizing player everywhere he's played. We know that, but first year for Matt Duchesne with the Preds, 29 years old. For comparison, since we're comparing it to Ryan O'Reilly's first season, Ryan O'Reilly 
comes in at age 32 for the Preds. So a couple years older than when Matt Duchesne came in. Let's give you Ryan O'Reilly's current stats real quick with the Preds this year. 12 goals, 11 assists for 23 points, 20 minutes of ice time, and really Ryan O'Reilly's biggest impact other than intangibles and on-ice leadership is what he's doing for the power play. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's got 11 power play points, including seven power play goals for the Preds right now. All right, let's go back now. That was just wanted to lay out the groundwork so we can talk about Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne was 29 years old when he signed with Nashville, was coming off a 70-point season with Columbus and Ottawa. Played a very short amount of time with Columbus. Played played with them during their uh, Stanley Cup run. Uh, Signed for $8 million a year, which was already a huge eyesore for the fan base. Before he even played a game for the Predators, he was already being criticized (laughs) because of that contract. Right. But here's where it gets ugly. And here's where the honeymoon didn't last very long for Matt Duchesne in Nashville. 42 points in 66 games in his first season in Nashville. And not many goals to show. And not many of them were goals at all. At all. He dropped from a 70-point season to a 42-point season. Yeah. That's a huge no. drop-off, dude. Yeah. That's yeah, almost I mean, a 50% drop-off. Yeah, that's it's yeah, not, not great. And, you know, a lot of... You know, there were also, I remember, a handful of people who were like, yeah, you know, this is a really good fit. You know, we need a second center. And, you know, Duchesne, he's always wanted to be here. He's going to play his heart out. But, but man, it just didn't, especially in that first year, it just did not work out. He also had his third lowest point per game total of his NHL career up to that point. That's it's bad. Yeah. Now, luckily... Duchesne did make up for it a couple seasons later with uh, when he was really, when everyone was ready to just ship him off and he went through the expansion draft unprotected and no one took him. Things could not be worse in terms of Matt Duchesne and the Predators. And then he goes off and proceeds to set the new single season franchise record for goals in a season and puts up 80 plus points. So it just goes to show you never know what's going to happen. But we're just talking about first seasons in Nashville and how did it go? It did not go pretty for, for Matt Duchesne in his first season in a Preds uniform. Yeah, pretty forgettable, honestly. And hate to use that term, but man, I think pretty much everyone, including him, probably wants to forget that first season happened. Let's go to PK Subban. Yeah. In his first season with the Preds, I remember where I was when I found the, out the news that Subban was signed and I wasn't writing about the Preds at that point. I, I was just a fan. Didn't, didn't cover them at all in any capacity, but I just remember being at home and scrolling around on ESPN or the sports different sites. And it was just all over the news. Shea Weber traded for PK Subban. And it was, it was almost like I wanted to get excited because I knew how big time of a player Subban was and how huge that would be for the Nashville market to get a player of his stature. But then I thought, no, not for Shea Weber. Like, I didn't know how to feel. I was so confused. I was so speechless. I wanted to be excited, but then I also wanted to be sad at the same time. I didn't know how to feel about it. But definitely the biggest trade in Nashville Predators history, I would have to argue. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean – to this day, I don't even know really who won that trade. 
I feel like neither team really won the trade because Shea Weber had all of his injury problems and never really played as long as he wanted to for the Canadians. And then, and then Subban, which we're about to talk about, yes, he had a big impact on that Stanley Cup team that went to the Stanley Cup, but then he was pretty much gone after that. He didn't really do much for the team after that. He, he was he was actually a Norse finalist the year after. He had a, I thought he had a good second year. The, th- the first and third regular seasons, though, were not were not as great as you would hope, though. The second year, I actually thought he was near lights out, but the first and third years it was were not um, what you would have wanted. Yeah, I mean, he just didn't stick around in Nashville as long as you would have thought yeah. after that. Yeah. But um, looking at his season there, his first season with Nashville after the trade with Shea Weber, uh, Subban was 27 years old, one of the most high-profile players. I remember he went to Broadway and sang karaoke at Tootsie's. <laughs> like his first day in Nashville, walking across the pedestrian bridge. I mean, this guy embraced the city immediately. Oh, yeah. So, he, yeah, I, and, and thank you. First of all, thank you for mentioning that, Max, because I did forget about that. I'll be completely honest that uh, Subban was a Norris finalist the year after with um, alongside Drew Doughty of the Kings and, of course, Victor Hedman yeah. um, won the Norris Trophy for the uh, – for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So good catch on that one, Max. I, I, I being dead honest, I totally forgot about that. that now, he, he a had a really good second year. year, but the other ones were not, especially that final, because, because unlike the um, first year where he had the Stanley Cup run to kind of say, yeah, I really was worth it. That third year, his final year in Nashville was a bit rough. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. Well, and he never really got back to being, being his, that, that was his last big time year in the NHL was that yeah, Norris no, finalist yeah, year. Yep. Then I think he ended up go. Where did he go after that? Didn't he go to New Jersey? I think New Jersey. For a little bit. And I, did, I don't even know if he went anywhere after. I think he might have retired after that. To be honest, yeah. So um, looking at his first season with Nashville, though, twenty-seven years old, uh, he put he put up forty points for sixty-six games, uh, over twenty-four minutes of average ice time, one hundred and four blocks. That's a lot of blocks. Seventy-eight hits. Uh, he had a minus eight plus minus, but in those playoffs, part of the Stanley Cup run. Uh, he had 12 points in 22 games and upped his ice time to 25 and a half per game. So he wow. played a lot of minutes during that. That Stanley is a Cup. lot of minutes. Overall, overall, you can call his first season in Nashville a success, I would yep. say, though. Yeah. He, he played his part. Yep. Here's one. Here's another one. First of all, as you're seeing on this list, the Preds have not had a lot of big time acquisitions over the offseason. A lot of their acquisitions in their history have come at the trade deadline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you really go back and look at it. But let's, how about the real deal, James Neal? A little bit oh, smaller yeah. profile player than Ryan O'Reilly, maybe. But I remember when James Neal came to the Predators because I knew he was coming from the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team that won a Stanley Cup. So I was pretty excited about getting James Neal at the time. Signed with Nashville at age 27. He was two years removed from an 87-point season with the Penguins. Preds traded traded for Neal in the summer of 2014 and took on his $5 million a year salary, which for 2014, that was a pretty, pretty hefty salary. Not so much now, but in 2014, that was up there. Yeah. Uh, in that trade, they traded away Patrick Hornfist and Nick Spalling. 
and yep. another drop off for a first year predator. Neil dropped off from 61 points to 37 points in his first year with Nashville. Biggest drop off was almost biggest reason for his drop off in points was he had no power play presence with Nashville in that first year. Whereas the season before with Pittsburgh, 26 power play points. So not really sure. I can't remember exactly how good Nashville's power play was during that time, but that was something you were hoping James Neal would have made an impact on at 5 million a year. And I guess he had no impact whatsoever. On the yeah, especially power. with how many with how um how many goals he scored, especially in that second year. I can't remember any of the other years off the top of my head, but that second year he was on the team, he scored over 30 goals. Yeah. So I think what we're seeing here is a lot of times, at least, sometimes that first year for uh, even for a great a great talented player, sometimes it takes us some time for a player to really get comfortable and get into their system. And that's why it's kind of so impressive what we're seeing with Ryan O'Reilly here. I mean, the guy just fit right in and just really started making an impact like he's been on this team for years. That's kind of what's so amazing about what Ryan O'Reilly's doing right now. Yeah, and it also kind of speaks to the system on the kind of speaks to the system on the team as well, the offensively inclined system. And Lavi, Peter Laviolette had that too, also with James Neal. But something about this just kind of feels different. I mean, maybe just speaks also to the kind of to the player O'Reilly is O'Reilly just might have that it factor about him. For sure. Definitely. All right. Here, there's, I'm about to give you one here that will probably never be topped. I don't think Ryan O'Reilly is going to top this one for his first year as a Pred. If he does, then, then this team's definitely about to go some special places if Ryan O'Reilly surpasses this player's first year as a Predator. That's one of the best players in the franchise history, even though he was only here for two seasons. Paul Correa is probably the biggest offseason acquisition in the franchise's history, and he absolutely delivered in his first year with the Predators. Think about this. Paul Correa was signed with Nashville in the offseason of 2005, making $4.5 million. Which is a lot Almost 20 then. years ago. Almost yeah. 20 years ago. Four point five million for a season was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't watch when that was Paul, happening, but everyone raves about Paul Curry on the. He was one of the true offensive talents this team ever had. And I like the. I just. I know they're not exactly the same style player, but I do like the comparison of Paul Correa to Ryan O'Reilly. And I also realize that Ryan O'Reilly is significantly less paid by the scale to what Paul Correa was making at that time. I get all that, so it's not an exact comparison, but. Paul Correa comes in at age 31, O'Reilly's 32. So two two veterans who were at the past their primes a little bit. But you look at Correa's first season with Nashville. He played in all 82 games, 31 goals, 54 assists for 85 points, which was the franchise record for a long time yep. up until when Roman Yossi finally passed him to get 96 points in the 2021-22 season. Yeah, I mean... So, yeah, 85 points in his first season with Nashville. Third most in team history right now. Preds, during that first season with, with, with the Preds, the Preds finished second in the division with 106 points, but lost in the first round to the San Jose Sharks. So, probably safe to say Ryan O'Reilly's not going to hit 87 points this year. 
Probably not going to happen unless he just really ramps up his point production. But I think it's it's unlikely, but you never know. I think Ryan O'Reilly's got a great chance to be, have the second best year ever for a first year predator coming out of an off season. I definitely think that. And right (laughs) now that pickup by Barry Trotz looks extremely, extremely well. A great decision by Barry Trotz. And it's looking like a bargain. Yeah. And honestly, kind of speaks to, you know, the culture shift that, you know, Barry wanted to have. Because when he bought out Duchesne the day before, everyone's like, what are you doing? How is this worth it? How can you make the team pay this much for a guy who's not playing? But he wanted to bring in a guy like O'Reilly. And it just feels like so different that, you know, Duchesne wanted to, you know, be the guy that retires here, all that kind of stuff. But O'Reilly is just like the kind of the down to earth kind of cocky culture guy. And it just seems that, you know, not everyone, you know, even myself, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I, it, you know, O'Reilly's great and all, but, you know, I don't know if I really want, you know, a contract like that, especially with the youth, especially because you're kind of between Cody Glass and Tommy Novak, you were definitely handcuffing one of them, but O'Reilly's been outstanding. You can't, you can't say enough good things about him. Yeah. He just, uh, O'Reilly just did an interview recently talking about how he decided between to- Toronto and how, why he decided ne- to go to Nashville and all that. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, Nick, Nick Alberga. I think everyone knows him. Um, works for Sportsnet, NHL Fantasy, Sirius XM. Nick Alberga on his, um, on his show on YouTube, he interviewed, it's on my, it's up on my, uh, Twitter if you want to go check it out. But um, he interviewed Ryan O'Reilly. It's really a great interview to go watch, everybody. Really highly recommend it. But O'Reilly, in this interview, talks about why he didn't resign in Toronto. And without showing throwing too much shade at, at Toronto, he did kind of hint at all the that all the rumors were true that he just didn't want to be a part of that crazy culture that Toronto has. Yeah. And he kind of went with Nashville because he wanted to go to a place where he still, he, he basically says in this interview, I felt like I still have a lot to give to a team. And I wanted to go to a team that wants me and that needs me. And that's why he chose Nashville. You got to love that as a fan. When you hear a player say that, when you hear a veteran say, I still have a lot to give and I want to go to a team that wants me. That's great stuff right there. I mean, and he also, it it was known from the moment that he signed in Nashville that money was not the issue. That was not the reason he did not want to sign in Toronto. And, you know, whether it was, you know, saying that he thought our culture under Barry Trotz was really good or that Toronto's culture, what they have is really bad. It was a telling thing and it seems to hold true. It didn't seem like they were just clickbait rumors. It seemed like he really thought that we had something that Toronto did not. Yeah. I mean, when you get a player of Ryan O'Reilly's stature, everything he's accomplished in this game, a thousand over a thousand games now in the league, and he chooses Nashville over Toronto, that I mean, that's crazy for me to think about, yep. honestly. I still oh, can't yeah. believe it that he chose the Predators over the Maple Leafs. That's a huge testament to Barry Trotz and the respect that yeah. Barry Trotz has. I think that's a huge testament to to some of the players that are already on the Predators that he, that he wanted to come play with, including Yossi, including Soros, including Forsberg. I mean, it's just amazing. I, I mean, yeah, no, I, I mean, can't, I still can't get over it. 
And so I really oh, hope we do him right, and he has a big-time year. Um, so we'll keep watching to see Ryan O'Reilly and what he does. I wanted to, I, I didn't want to leave out this one player real quick. Just wanted to brush over it. Um, another big-time first-year player in the franchise's history, going way back in the time machine. We need Johnny for this one. Jason Arnett was another big offseason addition, was also 32 years old when he was brought on for the Predators, same age as O'Reilly, also made $4.5 million. This was the year after Korea was signed to the Predators. So that this was a little time stretch where David Poyle was all in. He was ready for the Preds to start winning playoff series. He was like, we have arrived. We've been in the league for several years now. We're finally starting to make the playoffs. We're going to go start getting ourselves some big fish in the pond in the offseason. We now got Jason Arnett, another great NHL player, uh, veteran, and another drop-off, though. Seeing a major theme here in big-time free agents mm-hmm. coming to Nashville and then dropping off. Yeah, uh, Arnett... Did. Went from 76 points with Dallas the year before and dropped to 54 points with the Preds. Most of his stats declined in the assist category. Also, Arnett did not do much for the Preds in the playoffs that year. Just two goals and one assist in five games. Nashville, for the second straight year, was eliminated eliminated in the first round by the San Jose Sharks. And Arnett also was not with the team for very long. So there's not a lot of great examples in Preds history of getting big fish in their offseason and them having big-time first years with the team. Just not a lot of good examples. Paul Korea is really the only one you can find. Arnett was a captain, though, for a few years, at least one year. He was. I'm usually the captain. I honestly don't remember. Uh, I thought it was at least one or two. Maybe one or two. It might have just been one, honestly. I can't remember. Yeah, it wasn't long. All right. With that said, let's get to let's get to our last segment here of the you podcast. One player? You forget Ryan Johansson. Ryan Johansson wasn't acquired over the offseason. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot. Yep. You're Come right. on, you gotta follow directions here, Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a little He was traded for there. Seth Jones, bad. but that was during <laughs> the season. Yeah, you're, you're I mean, right we about can that. Go, one, we can was... look and see how he did. We can look and see how he did in his first full year. But I wanted to, I wanted to focus more on players who weren't acquired, or who were you're picked right. up in the off season and got to go through a training camp and got to. Yeah, you're right. You know, true. I almost put Ryan Johansson in there, and then I remembered that he was acquired during the season. Yeah. All right. Yep. Real quick, let's touch on it. Matthew Wood and Tanner Mullendyke are going to be playing at the World Juniors. We touched on it at the beginning of the episode. I'm really excited. I want to see. I obviously want to see Matthew Wood, but I'm I'm more excited to see Tanner Mullendyke. This guy seems like, from all I've seen from scouts, he was a major steal for the Predators, and we got him as part of the trade. Um, for was that the Tanner Janot trade? No, it was Matthias. Which trade was that? Matias Ekholm trade. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Ekholm, yeah. yeah. So I really, I want to see what this kid's all about. I cannot yeah. wait to see. And the fact that Team Canada, he made Team Canada, even though he was hurt for a large yep. portion of this development camp, that says a lot about the talent that, that, that Tanner Mullendyke has. No, he seems like a, he seems like a very serious hockey player. That's for sure. And uh, I hear that he's got a lot of the same traits that uh, Roman Yossi has. A lot of speed, a lot of transition game, a lot of good puck vision. Yeah. You got to love that. Um, 
Matthew Woods got a really good shot as well in the slot. Now they've talked about that in the updates I've seen about Matthew Wood. Um, not sure if he's going to get significant minutes for Canada in this tournament. He might be like a third line or a fourth line player, but we'll still be all the same. Let, uh, real quick, Tanner Mullendyke this year is playing for the Saskatoon Blades in the Western Hockey League, and he's got 28 points in 24 games. Versus Saskatoon, 10 penalty minutes, a plus 22 plus or minus. Not bad. Looks like Mullendike is going to easily surpass his career high in points for a season um, in the WHL. And he's in his, he's currently in his fourth year in the WHL. So he is definitely trending up. Let's see how he does at the uh, World Juniors. And then Matthew Wood, of course, is playing collegiately right now for the University of Connecticut. Yep. Who do you think we see first as far as joining the Predators down the road? Like, I'm talking like a couple seasons, obviously. You know... That's a hard one, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, because that's because I haven't... Because I haven't really... I admit, you know, fully just being transparent... I am not, you know, someone who watches totally a ton of hockey beyond just the NHL. I'm, I'm mainly an NHL watcher. Of course, I will keep up the Preds prospects, especially when they hit Milwaukee. But just, you know, hearing, I mean, a lot of it also is not even just dependent on the players themselves. It's also dependent on the um, the Preds as a team. And if you look at the Preds right now, especially on defense, there's, I mean, of course, you got, you know, guys, Carrier is going to be a free agent after this year and, but even then the forwards, they're, they're still forwards too. Like, you know, Joachim Kemmel is supposed to come fairly soon. So you really yeah. never know, honestly. You, you got it. I would say, Tanner, question. I would lean to. You, I would lean got to wait I would to see, lean, honestly. Yeah. But I mean, if I have to pick, though, and we're speculating here, I would lean towards Tanner Mullendyke gets yeah. wears a Preds uniform before kind of Matthew the vibe Wood I was does. Too. Yeah. Just because I, from what I understand, his ceiling is really high and and I think it's easier for him for a defenseman to push their way in than it is uh, a winger, a right winger, especially because yeah. the Preds do have a lot of good wingers in the system right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I could see, see if, if assuming both players development goes smoothly and they're both playing well, I think Mullendyke's path is probably a little bit more direct right now than Matthew Woods. I could see Matthew Wood needing at least a year or two in Milwaukee, whereas I could see Mullendyke really taking off in Milwaukee and getting a call up mid-year. Not this year, but like down the road, once he gets into Milwaukee for a little bit. So that's I would argue that Mullendyke has a shorter path, just as we're looking at it right now. Uh, Matthew Woods got seven goals and five assists in 17 games. Uh, for the University of Connecticut so far this year. He's in his second collegiate season. Um, so he, he's a ways off, too, since he's still playing collegiately. So yeah. those college players take a little bit longer to to get into the system. They sure do. Absolutely. Let's, let's close out episode 213 with our Titans talk of the week. Max, he covers the Titans for Titan sized. Um, Titans come back as they're they were one of the I think did I see this correctly? They were the they're the biggest underdog win of the NFL season. I thought I read that or heard that somewhere. I don't know about that. I honestly forgot what the line was, but was again, you know, the stat I go the, the stat I harp on is under three minutes left, 
down 14 since 2016, 0-767. So what do you think the key was to making that comeback? Do you think it was more the Dolphins just really uh, wet the bed here and just took their foot off the gas, lost their mental focus? Or do you think it was really Will Levis showing us that this dude is legit and the Titans have their franchise quarterback? You know, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, disappoint my fellow Titans fans here. You know, I don't want to, you know, I want to, and I don't want to take anything away from Levis because he was phenomenal. It was his first 300 yard game and he showed up when he had to. And that man, like DeAndre Hopkins said the other night, that man played like a dog out there, but. The Dolphins really, really, really blew that game. And what were they doing? I like, I, I didn't understand their play calling. And here's one thing I also want to say to people, and I haven't, I haven't heard this a ton, so I'm not going to, so I'm not saying this in the context of like, oh, this is a narrative, but it's easy to look at that game and say Tyreek Hill barely played. That's a big reason the Dolphins lost. That's a cop-out because while it definitely affects them, that's like saying the sky is blue. I can point to five different examples of why the Dolphins cost themselves that game that had nothing to do with Tyreek Hill. I mean, they, they fumbled the first red zone chance. Tight yeah. recovered. Nico Autry got a field goal block for halftime. They challenged this catch that Ty J Spears had in the third quarter. That cost him a timeout, and that certainly didn't help him at the end. Tua slipped and fell on a on another red zone chance in the fourth quarter. They go for a field goal and then blowing the 14-point lead with three minutes left. It is not just Tyreek Hill's a great player, but man, they did not just lose because of him. I thought what was really crazy was that last year, that drive where they could have run out a lot more clock. They took like some really safe like passing plays and they didn't really go anywhere, and I just thought they could have been more effective with running the ball a little bit more, and they could have chewed out some more clock and really made the Titans up against the clock a lot more. The Titans had plenty of time to run their offense, and credit to Will Levis for managing the game like he was a seasoned veteran in that situation. I mean, the way he was nickel and diming down the field and taking the right pass, not freaking out in the pocket um, – he hit DeAndre Hopkins on that crossing route, and he just put it right between the numbers, just popped it and led him down the field. He gets out of bounds. I mean, he was just going – he was just – decision-making was just amazing other than that one uh, pick six he threw to open the game. You're going to have it. It's rookie mistakes. Yeah, but that's another thing. How impressive is it for a for a rookie quarterback like him to shrug that off and play the way he played the rest of the game? I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah, and you know, I will say even more con- more concerning than that pick. And, I'm, and again, he'll learn this because he's a rookie. But dude's got to learn to slide sometimes. <laughs> like yeah. there was one of the plays. Do you remember the play where he leaned his shoulder to Jalen Ramsey? Yeah, yeah, they were looking at his shoulder at the end and. And they, Rabel was saying in the press conference this week he was going to show videos of guys getting the you-know-what knocked out of them when they don't slide. So, yeah, yeah it was funny. It. He's a rookie, but, man, sometimes maybe he sometimes maybe he has too much juice in him. <laughs> I mean, but, man, he, again, like like he, like he everyone said, he was outstanding. And, you know, that game, if it wasn't before, it pretty much lived by that the Titans are and- not going to be looking for a QB in the next draft. That's the only thing we have to hang on to for this season is getting to watch Will Levis continue to play these games and grow 
you want to talk about Titans fans giving up on this season. If they have to go back to Ryan Tannehill, and I'm not saying give up on the season like they have a chance to make the playoffs. I just mean like there will be fans out there, Fairweather fans will say, I'm not watching any more Titans games this year. The only reason they're even watching right now is because they want to watch Will Levis. If this team has to go back to Ryan Tannehill to close out the season, oh my gosh. That I mean, and no offense to Ryan Tannehill, yeah, but I think I that ship that. is sailed. But that ship has sailed. It's over. I and mean, he's pretty much gone, right? Like he's he's a free agent this year, isn't he? Yeah, oh yeah. He's 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 not coming back unless he signs as a backup, but I can't imagine that happening. Yeah, I do really appreciate how um positive he's been on the and motivating yeah. he's been on the sideline. Have you noticed I've noticed that yeah. anytime yeah. I've seen I've seen several occasions, several yes. instances over the last few weeks. Anytime Will Levis does a positive play, makes a good play, is excited, he's up there like cheering with a very yeah. genuine smile on his face. Yeah, in the first game, and when Levis went off against the Falcons for his four-touchdown game, Tannehill was on the sideline, all smiles encouraging him. You love to see that. I mean, that's that's so awesome. That speaks to the true character of Ryan yeah. Tannehill. And, really and people will have, you know, misconceptions about Tannehill and stuff like that, but Tannehill is a, is a really good dude, and the guy has guts like people rarely ever seen. Like, that... When he suffered the injury in London, the ankle injury, and he he literally said he was trying to fight it out. And the only reason he stopped playing is he literally couldn't get pushed into his throws. But he literally said, you know, the pick that he threw was the guy was open and he just, you know, he it went short because he couldn't get any force into the throw. But like we're going to it's like people we're going to get mad at the guy like Tannehill for literally trying to tough it out through all the crap he's dealt with with the fan base just getting on to him, him you know, sitting by an offensive line, getting his ankles messed up. Literally, he got his ankles messed up three times in the span of one year. I mean, the guy yeah. fought through a ton and never gave up, ever. Yep, for sure. We're going to wish the best for Tannehill moving forward, yeah. but definitely Will Levis looks like the future of this yeah. franchise. Yep. He's proven all the all the doubters and naysayers in the draft wrong right now. A lot of time, a lot of a lot of games left. He need, you know, that that's what we're clinging on to for the rest of the season, though, for sure. Is um, is seeing Will Levis can uh, just keep doing what he's doing, and and then trying to figure out some other playmakers for this team. But um, we'll have more time to dive more into that in future episodes, Catfish and Ice. But definitely going to keep doing the weekly Titan segments because I love talking football as well. Titans got the Oiler or the um, I will say the Oilers. The Titans got the Texans this week, but they're going to be rocking in Oilers the Oilers uniforms. I cannot and wait. And is for this that at game. Houston or is this at Tennessee? This is at Tennessee, and I will be there in attendance in my Oilers gear. Okay, but let me say something. If they're going to go, if they're going to go troll the Houston Texans like they are, they better go out and win. That's all I got yeah. to say. Yep. No, I'm, and also, well, also, Texans will not have CJ Stroud. Oh, that's didn't Concussion. know that. Yeah. So who's not. their backup? Davis Mills. Know nothing about him. He sounds like an insurance agent. <laughs> he was a he was a third round pick who actually did he actually looked fairly good in his rookie year. But guess who was his offensive coordinator? It was Tim Kelly. Who guess where he is now? Where the Titans? He's our oh, offensive okay. coordinator now. Hey, how about Davis Mills? Sounds like. No, Davis Mills, no, 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 scratch that. He doesn't even sound like an insurance agent. He definitely sounds like a injury, a personal injury lawyer. Sounds like something, but not a football player. Were you hurt in a car accident? Were you uh, fender-bendered? I can get the money you deserve, Davis Mills. 
I mean, if he doesn't make it in the NFL, he might try some of that. I mean, he, he probably won't be getting a second quarter yards now just because I just because I did that as jinx the whole fan base and the whole Titans organization with making fun of Davis Mills. Now he's going to go out and roast us for 400. Hey, man, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm excited for that game. I'll be in there and I'll be cheering loud. And like I said, in my Oilers gear, I'll be ready for it. Let's have let's have a couple comments while as we close out the episode. Want to say hi to some other people real quick. Um, Lindsay jumps in here and says the Flames are 100% needing to rebuild. Yeah, man, the Flames, they are yeah. a big letdown. And it looks like that deck of cards is coming crashing down and they're going to yeah. have to. That Jonathan Huber contract is not looking good. Ooh, not That's looking good at all. Bad. Mike Twitter with his parting words says Matt Duchesne had like a three year learning curve, right? Eh, yeah, it hurts, but kind of not wrong. <laughs> and let's say to, let's say hi to our friend Buster Bennett. He says, "Yo, what's going on? Better late than never." Welcome in, Buster. Enjoy the episode. We'll have it uploaded tomorrow, or you can watch it on the YouTube channel as well. But thank you for hopping in. All right. With that said, we're going to say bye to everybody. This has been a late night edition of Catfish Nice with Chad Mitten and Max Greenberg, episode two thirteen. Hit us up in the comments. Hit us up on. X, hit us up on YouTube. Hit subscribe and follow as well. We love talking hockey with you. Hope you enjoy the game on Friday night. Have a great weekend. We're going to try to get one more episode in before um, Christmas comes to us. So look forward to that sometime next week. Until then, everyone, have a great evening. Enjoy your days. Enjoy your weekends. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys later. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of Catfish on Ice with your host, Chad Minton. We have a really special guest with you today, Greg Amundsen, who is Puck Luck Analytics, covers a lot of NHL projections, uh, analytics models. This has taken us out of episode 212, where me and my co-host, Max Greenberg, really dove into some Preds analytics, but let's be honest, we... We're not as smart as the people who come up with all of these numbers and crunch all of this data. It is always just truly amazed me. And so it's really awesome to have Greg Amundsen join us today. How are you doing today, Greg? Yeah, I'm doing good. Excited to, Thanks, man. We, excited to be part of it. Yes, we're. I, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, man. I love following you. Um, Greg does a great job with his models and let's get into it. We're going to really cover the Preds in, in particular, but to get us going here today with Greg Amundsen on Catfish and Ice here, want to ask Greg, how did you get into doing this kind of thing? Because when I look at your models and I look at your, uh, all of your analytics, it's way above anything I can even wrap my head around. And so really, how did you get into covering hockey? How did you get into doing this? Yeah, I mean, I've, I guess uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Calgary here and and uh, grew up and followed it uh, followed it for as long as I can remember. But uh, kind of always been interested in the stats. And then uh, during COVID, I, I took a certificate on on data analysis and machine learning and stuff. And I, I started playing around with it on the side with uh, with some hockey data and just to see what I could do with it. And so. Uh, it's kind of what started it for me. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, been something fun to do, fun to do, and kind of get another angle at, at looking at the game. So, 
Well, the thing about hockey is there's so much going on. I mean, it's unlike any other sport. I mean, there's so many different factors at play to where you can't just go off off the eye test necessarily. And so that's why people like you come into play and, and really give us a broader um, understanding of what's going on with the game inside the game. Um, everyone wants to go off the eye test. They want to go off points. They want to go off goals. They want to go off, oh, this guy scored this many goals. That means he's the best ever or whatever. But, I mean, there's so much more, and I have a new appreciation. I've really gained a new appreciation for for the analytic side, side of things in hockey over the last couple years, I would say. But just being in – when I first became a hockey fan – Years and years ago, I didn't even understand that side of it. I just wanted to see goals. I wanted to see goals. I wanted to see fights. That's all I really cared about. But it's it's so much more than that. And so let's get into it first. So first of all, you can follow uh, Greg Amundsen, our guest here on Catfish and Ice today, um, at PuckLuck83 on X, or uh, as we would like to call Twitter still. Um, also, um, go to his website, PuckLuckAnalytics.com to check all, out all of his full range of NHL um, coverage when it comes to his uh, analytics coverage. And so I want to talk discuss now uh, your standings projections right now, uh, Greg, in terms of the entire NHL. What are you seeing? Um, I looked at your projections from December 10th, so that was before, uh, that was before yesterday's games. Um, and you had the, the Predators projected at 87 points. Um, so I just want to get get your overall outlook on what the your standings projections are looking like for the NHL. Yeah, so so really, I guess just a little bit of background on how they come together is it, it all starts from uh, at the player level. So I, I've got some models set up that uh, predict a, a sort of a set of uh, player stats. Uh, you know, it's all kind of based on. Uh, uh, five on five centric, I guess, uh, you know, that's 80% of the game is, is played there. And, um, you know, it really is a, a good, good predictor of, of long-term performance. So um, I kind of focus there and, um, you know, predict things, that, you know, from, from individual production, uh, you know, goal per 60 rates at five on five to on ice, uh, you know, expected goal rates, um, those sorts of things. Um, so I, 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 kind of put that together and then and then I take those uh and and uh compile from there a, a set of team projections for some of the key team stats at 515 um from those and and those are weighted by uh predicted ice time okay. so the the players who are going to see more more ice are, are going to have a larger impact on those team metrics that are predicted. Um, and then, uh, then those team level metrics are what goes into the, the, the model that predicts, uh, uh, team point percentage. So, um, yeah, when you look at the standings, uh, the, you know, you, you can see the, the, uh, results to date, the, the points that are, they're already in the bank. And then, then the, uh, forecast part is, is coming out of that, the model predicting, uh, team point percentage, um, so, yeah, the the Preds, Preds were uh, I think they were I had them predicted at eighty seven points at the start of the season, and and that's uh, where they sit right now as well. So interesting. So they're kind of I guess as of now they're kind of going right along with 
at least your preseason predictions based on your models. Um, before we get more into the Predators, I just want to get a more broad outlook on your Western Conference projections right now. And you're seeing a lot of the teams that I guess were kind of already expected to be leading the pack. You see the Vegas Golden Knights um, at the top of the Pacific Division with 106 points projected out, Colorado Avalanche. Um, and what's looking like going to be a really fun race to the finish line in the Central Division with yeah. the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that on the Central Division right now? Do you think that uh, the Avalanche and the Stars have been everything that people kind of expected going into the season? Yeah, I, I think uh, you know, and, and the Jets have jumped in there too. Um, I think that was that's maybe a bit of a surprise. Uh, probably to a lot of people and, and myself included, you know, I expected Colorado and Dallas to be there. Um, you know, I think they, they've each kind of had their own struggles here at times through the first part of the season too. Um, so I mean, none of them really look like a, uh, like they're going to run away with it right now. So that's yeah, been, uh, been interesting to, to watch develop here, but it, it does look like kind of a, a drop off after those top three right now. So. Um, yeah, definitely. The, and then the shifting over to the, for the wild card. Yeah, shifting over to the Eastern. Well, let's look at the wild card predict, projections first. Um, so you got the Predators at 87 points, and the teams ahead of them, when you're talking about wild card teams, you got the Coyotes, the Flames. And and, and you can enlighten me on, on why this might be, but I am a little surprised personally to see the, the Flames ahead of the Predators because I've been very underwhelmed. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that you have the Oilers ahead of because everyone's I look at the Oilers as a sleeping giant. They're they're way too talented to be as bad as they were when they opened and they're finally starting to really, really get hot. But I am a little surprised by the Flames being ahead of the Predators. I know it's close. You have the points really yeah. close, but yeah, I mean, I, I look at this way. too as as uh, I mean, you can see see how closely there's a there's a group of about five teams there that are that are pretty close together in the projection. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it's a it's a prediction, and, and I, I guess you look at it as as this is the most likely outcome is what you're mm-hmm. you're trying to get out of it. Obviously, there's going to be a range, so I mean, it yeah. it's telling us there, those are the teams in there. But um, yeah, the the Flames, the models still pretty high on them. I think what they're I'm not as high on them as the model is. I would say. Um, they're, uh, I think they're really missing that that top end talent um, that that you need to to really be a contender right now. So, um, you know, I, and just the way I, I guess that the model the model takes a while to to adjust. Um, you know, I, we can talk about that a little bit too when we're talking about the players. But um, you know, I, I'm using three well three three and a half seasons now of data that, that goes into the, the player projections. So, you know, it, it, it takes, takes, takes some time for, uh, you know, as, as a player's dropping off that you're, you're, you're not wanting the model to overreact to that and, and jump to, to a conclusion too quickly. So in, in some ways it, you know, maybe it's a, it'll, it's a little bit slower to react than you'd like sometimes too. So, um, you know, it's, it's a balance. I'm trying to strike, I guess, with, with uh yeah. with that so so well, yeah and, i think know, they're they're in there and and you know i think there's uh, you know nashville minnesota you know arizona i think is is uh, right in there this this year too so 
um, they're in the mix and, you know, obviously Edmonton's charging hard right now too. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's always going to, it's always going to be a crowded race. I think I really find interesting when I'm looking at this, um, you're the model's not high on the St. Louis blues, even though they've been a team that is probably overperformed, I guess you would say compared to what people predicted. Uh, the model's not high on them. Only have them at 77 points. So that kind of stands out to me a little bit as well. Yeah, they're, they're definitely, they've, they've been better than, than the model expected them to be uh, so far. Again, they, they're, they're kind of a, they're getting to be a, a bit of an older team in general, I think, um, you know, and I think, we're seeing some of that uh, that that decline coming with with some of their core guys. Um, you know, they, they've got a couple of good young young pieces there too to to, to maybe shift around and build around now. But um, you know, there's there's definitely uh, some challenges there with the, yeah. with the older group. So going over to the Eastern Conference, um, Boston Bruins are right up there. Uh, in your models leading the Atlantic division, not a big surprise there. Um, you got the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Panthers in your top three. And then in the Metro division, you got the Rangers leading the way with a hundred points projected the devils who have been a little bit of a disappointment, I would say. Um, but you, st- the model still likes them a lot, but according to this projections right now, at least the Rangers might run away with the Metro division. If, if this, if this holds, like it's looking, or is that? No, that's ninety-seven. I'm sorry, I thought I said eighty-seven. Yeah, they've, right. uh, they've, they've opened up a pretty good lead here uh, so far. I mean, Carolina was another one that uh, you know they they they've kind of struggled out of the gate relative to to the expectations. I think so. Um, you know, the Rangers are an interesting one too, and in that um, they're they're built a little bit differently. That you know, then what the model kind of recognizes as a, as a strong team, uh, because I focus so much on the five on five, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Rangers, they, they're, they've, you know, for years now been, you know, uh, more mediocre at five on five and, and, uh, they've, they've got Shesterkin there, um, that clean, cleans up whatever they leave and, and then, yeah. uh, their power play has just been lethal. So, um, you know, there's, there's some other things there that, that certainly help them out. Um, certainly in the regular season. And, and I think, you know, what's interesting then is, you know, trying to look ahead to the playoffs. And um, I think those are the type of things that, that sometimes can get you in a little bit more trouble uh, as a sample size, you know, shrinks down to a, a single seven game series. Um, mm. You know, a power play can, can go cold and, and all of a sudden they're a team like that's going to be in troubles. Or a goalie you might not expect to get hot gets hot at the right time. I mean, yeah, there's – I mean, a seven – that's why they always say uh, no matter what your regular season looks like, if you can just find a way to get into the party, uh, get into the dance, even if it's sneaking through the back door, then that's why it's so hard for some of these teams to com- – these uh, general managers to to uh, commit to a rebuild is because they always feel like if they got just a good enough team – and the Predators have been victims of this for a long time, and it's got fans in the, in, in Nashville just going crazy over it. Um, you just feel like if you can get in, you always got a chance. And so um, let's let's. I want to get more into the Predators now because you put out a really mm-hmm. good. I'm going to share it on. I'm going to share it on the screen here for our YouTube viewers. Uh, your tweet today uh, regarding 
the Predators right now. And I got it on the screen there for the YouTube viewers um, from Greg Amundsen, who's who we're being joined by with his Puck Luck analytics. Great follow. Follow him on X at Puck Luck 83. Um, Greg said today the Predators started a roster overhaul at the trade deadline last season. Now the rejuvenated squad occupies the first wildcard spot in the West with a positive five on five expected goals percentage, underpinning their results. So, Greg, kind of like, Kind of like teach it to me like I'm five, Greg. Talk to me like I'm five years old. What yeah. what what are you seeing from the Predators right now that's really just their bread and butter? What's really working for them right now? Yeah, I, I mean that that five on five uh, expected goal rate. So that, that's the first thing that I look for on these. Um, you know, because that's it, it's a real good indicator of of uh, you know longer term success. So. I mean, the fact that their their expected goal for rate is is exceeding the the expected against. Um, I mean, that's a great sign. It's not, you know, it's not a not a real big gap, but it's still. I mean, as, as you're over fifty percent. You're you're winning that battle, and that's that's definitely a step in the right direction. So, um, you know, and that that's a little bit better than the model uh, predicted is predicting right now too. Um, you know, I, I I think you know it's fair fair to think that. You know, maybe some of that's due to to, to uh, Andrew Burnett coming in. Um, you know, we saw you know Florida a couple of years ago and, and New Jersey where he was uh, associate last year. You know, they they both both of those teams were very good five on five teams and and had really good uh, metrics there. So um, yeah, that that may be a case where uh, you know coaching's having some impact that the model hasn't picked up on yet. Right, and it's it's still kind of catching up a bit. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that's the big thing I see there. Um, you know, the goaltending's been been generally pretty good. It's it's kind of above that break even point uh, there, pretty well the whole year so far. Um, and I, and I guess for some just additional context, I think the the there were couple teams last year, I mean, three or four that, you know, were, were around a half uh, goal saved above expected per 60 on, on the whole season um, at the end, but most finished real, really close to that, that zero uh, line there. It just, as the sample size gets larger, it's, it's really hard to keep that uh, too far away from it. So mm -hmm. um yeah, they're looking pretty good there. Um, obviously, UC Saros is a is a, a key part of that. That uh, and uh, you know, I think then then on the flip side, the more concerning things there, the finishing is is definitely struggling. Um, yes, I, I think that's that's maybe a case where, um, as I look at again, they're they they started kind of re, re overhauling the roster last year. Um, there's some young guys coming in, but, uh, you know, they, they've got to build that depth back up. And I, I think that's a big, big part of it. I think maybe they're just, they just don't have that, uh, you know, the, the full suite of, of the higher end talent that that's going to help do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so a couple things from what you just said there. So I think we are yeah. definitely seeing Andrew Burnett's fingerprints all over why the Preds are having success. It's very clear uh, when you watch them game after game that they are a much different team than they were under the John Hines uh, 
coach team? And I, I guess that's a good question to kind of ask you real quick now that I got you. Um, what, what, what do you think are some, like some of the most obvious differences in a John Hines led team who's now coaching the Minnesota wild? I know that he hasn't been there long enough to really know what he's doing for the wild yet, but what do you think some of the biggest differences are between a John Hines led team and an Andrew Burnett team? Cause the perception is that they're completely different coaching philosophies. Yeah, I, I think definitely, again, we, you know, it's still, we've only seen, you know, 20 or so 20 or 30 games here of, uh, of Andrew Burnett and in, uh, in Nashville as well. But, you know, you look back to the last couple of seasons where, you know, where he's been in, in Florida, New Jersey as well. And um, again, the five on five, and I think they've, they've been pushing the offense, but, you know, New Jersey last year, Florida, the year, year prior as well, they, they had, they created a lot of offense, uh, created opportunities. Um, you know, they, their expected goal for rates were, were really strong. Uh, I think in both of those cases. So, um, you know, I think you come into, in Nashville, they, they've got this sort of, uh, uh, kind of younger forward group now. Um, you know, they, they maybe don't have the, the, the same level of, of higher end talent as, as those other two teams, uh, did, but they're, I think you can start to see that they're, they're trying to create, um, offense and, um, I, I think that might maybe it's the biggest uh, the biggest thing I see. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm seeing as well. I think they push the offense more. They they have a more transition style game, and I think that's why you're seeing the better numbers with their expected goals, which is um, last I checked, their top ten in expected goals um, in the league. So, as you said, one of the concerns is definitely finishing. Um, we kind of saw that a little bit they have some games where they completely fall flat offensively. And that kind of, ha- even though they beat the Canadians last night, um, that was one of those games where it was really UC Soros that had to just really take over. And what I've been saying for a while is the Predators are going to become a really dangerous team, not only in the regular season, but if they can get in the playoffs, if they suddenly have an offense that's, that's one to be reckoned with, but they also have um, UC Soros starting to become the Vesna trophy caliber goalie that we know he is. So that's kind of what we're waiting to see. And then maybe they can become much better than that 87 point projection that they have right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, again, I, I really like what they did uh, or what they started at the trade deadline last year. And, and uh, again, you say like it, it, the constant, you know, just, just, try to get in and, and see what happens. I, I think, you know, we've seen it in Nashville for a while. And, I, the, you know, I, I, I'm here in Calgary. We've, we've been watching it with the Flames here for, for years as well. Uh, you know, that just just get in and anything can happen. And, um, you know, I think the the, the Preds that, uh, you know, they, they started, you know, moving and kind of shifting their roster there. And, you know, you can, you can see the, the younger group, that, that's coming up, you know, they're, you know, Evangelista and Tomasino and those guys are, you know, they're 21, 22 years old. And those are guys that are going to grow for a couple of years here yet. Um, so they, I mean, they, they, they're kind of opening the, the, the roster space for, for those guys to start to get involved at the NHL level. And, and at the same time, they, they've also, you know, added some future 
uh, in draft picks and and uh, starting to work on that next cohort that's going to come behind them. So. Yeah. Very exciting times for sure for Predators fans, not just now in this current season, but definitely down the road, um, a couple seasons down the road, they should be back into, you know, being one of those teams that can really compete uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, all right, let's let's start talking about a few players here uh, with uh, Greg, Greg Amundsen of Puck Luck Analytics joining us here for episode 213, special edition of Catfish on Ice. Um, so let's start with the two big, big name, big ticket players for the Predators this year. That is, of course, Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly. What are you seeing from them in terms of why they're having so much success together as a pair? Because I, I feel like, me personally, and you can see, you can tell me if if I'm correct in what I'm seeing, but I think that right now Ryan O'Reilly is bringing out the best in Philip Forsberg. Having that true um, dynamic top line center is really bringing out the most out of what really untapping that potential that Philip Forsberg's always had. Yeah, they're they're both off to to great starts this year for sure. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think they've, you know, this is, this is something that too, that, uh, I'd like to try to find a way to get into the model, but at the moment it's not there, but I think they've found a, a nice complementary skill set on that top line right now. And, and I think Gustav Nyquist has been a, a part of that as well. Um, yes, yes. you know, he's, you know, the, the Nyquist has kind of been, uh, been the playmaker and O'Reilly is, you know, he's, he's become pretty well known for his sort of 200 foot game. And, um, you know, and then you got Forsberg and, and obviously he's got the, the, uh, the goal scoring ability there. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think they've, they've found a nice combination there that, and it's, it's working out so far. Um, kind of bringing out the best in everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things about the Predators for a while is they had a hard time really, at least for a few seasons, definitely throughout the John Hines era, they had a really hard time settling on a top line to complement Philip Forsberg. And so I think one of the factors into the Predators, you know, having some success in the offensive uh, categories like expected goals percentage um, is – that they do have, and I love that you just brought up uh, uh, Gus Nyquist because I feel like he's definitely been overlooked in all of the success because he is on that top line with Forsberg and O'Reilly, and he's Brunette's had him on that top line for like I want to say two or three weeks now, and Nyquist didn't start on the top line coming into the season. Yeah. Um, they kind of had to shift some things around and figure out what worked, and then they eventually put Nyquist up there and that brunette has not gone away from it so it's great to see all right let's see um underrated preds players i the entire fan base here in nashville just loves colton sissons and yep. i mean he's a lifelong predator he's always been a workhorse in the bottom six and you can't ever um overlook those those role players in the bottom six the players that win face-offs block shots four check hard um what do you i mean what do you have on colton systems why because he's having a way way better offensive year than than anyone could have really expected he's up to nine goals i think he's fourth on the predators and expected goals for um what are you seeing from him what, what's what's 
what's changed with him? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I think uh, I, I guess you know I, I'm seeing this on on a number of the the Preds players is again uh, similar to the team results is the the expected goal rates are you know he's he's exceeding the projection um, you know in the right way both both uh, expected for and against and um, you know and then and then individually production wise that you know five on five he's he's uh, outperforming that those those numbers as well so yeah he's, he's off to a pretty good pretty good start uh, you know kind of better better than the model. Uh, expected so far and um you know that's that's always gonna gonna help you out when you get the depth guys you know chipping in it's like bonus it's it really is it's just bonus points when you get a guy like colton sissons out there scoring nine goals for you i mean he's if he can just even somewhat keep up this pace he'll easily um break his uh nhl career high for a season in goals which is i think 15 um, so we'll see, um, but it's definitely nice to see. And I think again, it's, and the, you know, the predators are sharing the wealth. It's not just Forsberg and O'Reilly. I mean, there's guys all up and down the lineup that are getting in on the, um, action when it comes to offense. And so let's get you out of here with this, Greg, let's shift to, um, the defense a little bit. Let's talk about what, let's talk about Roman Yossi a little bit, because I know he's one of the most dynamic offensive players, but you know, as in terms of defensemen, but it's a new age of the NHL. There's tons of young, talented defensemen in this league, and Yossi's getting up there a little bit finally in age. Do you think he's lost a step or two, or do you still think he is still the um, one of the most dynamic offensive defensemen um, in the NHL? Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, definitely up there. Um, you know that the, he's uh, and again he's he's having a good start to the year as well, relative to, to what the model was uh, predicting. So um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's got a better, better expected goal rates than, than the model um, by a little bit uh, at both ends and uh, which is good to see. And then his individual production is, is below the, the, the model projection. Um, again, I, I, I don't get too fussed about that. Again, I, I look at the, the, those two together and I, and I put them both on the, the player cards they do. Cause he, I think it's, it's worth, worth looking at both. And, you know, there's kind of a, a pull uh, in both directions on those is, um, you know, you expect over the, as the sample size in the season gets larger, um, the actuals are going to pull towards the, the prediction. Um, they, mm-hmm. cause they're, they're built around predicting, you know, over an 82 game season. Um but at the same time, you, you see uh, uh, as we work in the, the new data from this season into the model that th- those actuals are getting used and, and they'll start to influence the predictions as well. Um, so, yeah, th- this early in the season, I, I think, you know, it's, it's more likely you're going to see those uh, individual production rates, you know, move towards what the model's predicting. Um you know, you see, you see his, his on ice impacts are, are better than the model. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the first place to look. And I think it's just a matter of time before those kind of come back in line. All right. That's good news for predators fans, everybody. Uh, Let's, let's, let's see Roman Yossi start uh, 
getting the actual results because he's doing all the right things according to uh, Greg's models and he's outperforming a lot of his projections. So um, let's see. Um, Cause Roman Yossi has been overlooked a little bit this year. He had, you know, everyone got lost when he almost hit a hundred points a couple of seasons ago. Uh, but he's still one of the most dynamic defensemen in the league and he's always making impacts, positive impacts on the ice, even if he's not, you know, piling up two and three point games. So, um, uh, Greg, it's been awesome having you, man. We'd love to have you back again. We've had Greg Amundsen on for a special edition of Catfish Nice episode 213. Thank you so much, Greg. Take care, man. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. All right, and we will see you later on in this episode. If you've been watching on YouTube today, thank you so much. Hit subscribe below, and until then, stay safe, everybody. We'll talk to you later.